0: Hello, you're listening to the Thoroughly Good Classical Music Podcast, my name is John Jacob and this is episode number 104. Composer and clarinetist Mark Simpson's new release on the Orca Classics label pairs Mozart's ever-popular Serenade No. 10 in B-flat major with a work by Simpson for a similarly sized wind ensemble entitled Geysir. It's a musical evocation of an Icelandic geyser A spring situated in volcanic locations where water thousands of feet below the surface is heated by magma resulting in intermittent jets shooting high above the ground. They are epic sights, otherworldly powerful forces that can't be tamed and things that need to be seen from a safe distance. Simpson's musical geyser is played by a dream team of wind players. Oboist Nicholas Daniel, clarinetist Mark Simpson and Oliver Pashley, bass clarinetist Ossias Morant from Riot Ensemble, horn player Ben Goldchider. They are some of the names that I recognise. Check out the show notes for this podcast on AudioBoom for a link to the full credits. Part of the appeal of this release is for me down to the lineup. Earlier this week, I spoke to a handful of musicians who, like Simpson, have worked on a lockdown release this year, all of whom spoke of the potent presence of an audience perceived in their mind's eye whilst the recordings were captured. It's this imagined audience who drove their performance in the recording studios, and the presence of that imagined audience was heightened for them because of the isolation we've all experienced as classical music lovers this year. It seems that if the audience can't be seen... Then they'll be pictured. It's not ideal by any means, but it's a reminder that the implicit contract between composer, musician and audience member is just as important as ever. That imagery stuck with me when I revisited the preview copy of Geysir and the Mozart recently, only in my case it was imagining so many musicians I respected as an audience member all coming together in one place for two key works. see is an arresting work, brimming with colour, a rich piece of storytelling that delights the ears. At only seven minutes long, it packs a considerable punch, textures and harmony springing forth everywhere. It is highly descriptive and very difficult to ignore. And then there's the Mozart... I don't know how many times I've heard the grand partita. It's not quite in danger of being wallpaper, not like Vivaldi's Four Seasons. But in the hands of Simpson and his friends, new life emerges from it. The ensemble playing is remarkable. There is a joyousness to the opening movement I've not heard before. And the fragility of the oboe solo from Nicholas Daniel in the ever-popular slow movement made famous in Schaefer's film Amadeus is, frankly, devastating and be sure to listen out for the combination of contrabassoon and double bass. I assumed it was recorded sometime last year. Not so, it seems, and when you hear from Mark Simpson when, how and why it was put together, perhaps, like me, you'll get a sense of why the recording has the impact it so readily does. you look like you've had a full-on day you look like you've been speaking to lots of people today
1: no 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 not at all oh. Oh. Um, but um i had uh, had some i had to deliver the the, the desk that i'm talking that i'm resting my laptop off and talking to you now has just been literally built about an hour ago by these guys who came around and uh so i had to come home and wait for that but then this morning i was working and i'm, I'm working on the violin concerto for nicola benedetti at the moment and um I'm kind of like very much in that.
0: I I'm wondering what it's like to be in the midst of writing something as epic sounding as a violin concerto. Is it is it that you're always sort of switched on? Are you able to switch off in the middle of a creative process?
1: Um. Uh, yeah. And no. Um. It's kind of always there. Um. It. But I'm I'm trying to keep. Uh. I'm trying to keep strict office hours, so I'm working from kind of like nine to six ish. Um, and I don't have a phone or laptop in that period, and I'm, I kind of, you know, lose myself in that. Um, I've had some COVID cancellations in the last um, couple of weeks for um, basically November and December, concerts that I had, so as, as annoying as that was, because that was, that was going to be um, a trio gig with Pierre leroyne and Jean Guillain-Carras playing Lackenman in the Elbe Philharmonie, which was, like a dream gig for me, um, which, uh, that was a, a COVID casualty. But on the other hand, um, I, I've now got a totally free run to the end of January, um, and into February now just to like really concentrate on this. So, I mean, uh, from a kind of, um, a, a stress point of view that I think, you know, I'm, 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 it's, it's, a it's the biggest commission that I've ever had. It's, um, LSO, or the lead commissioner, and it's also um, RSNO, Vede Air, and uh, Cincinnati. It's a kind of four-way co gonna So uh, so it's a huge, huge thing. So I'm, I'm, I'm really trying to, like, put my all into it. Um, but also not, um, you know, uh, I, I want it to be a piece that she'll enjoy playing. Um, and, I, and also, I think, you know, her... Which is a huge fan base and a, a huge following. Um, and so you know, for me, it's going to be uh, introducing my music to a whole kind of new range of people as well. So you know, I, I kind of I don't want to alienate them, <laughs> but also kind of want to, you know, kind of um bring you know, kind of bring them in in a sense. So, in terms of but kind of pitching the, the balance for the, the kind of the I don't how do we say the kind of the emotional content or the structure of it you know I I kind of thought very cl- carefully about that but you know when I was um when I uh, I've been I was sketching it on and off from the beginning of this year and then I, I kind of started to like really write it in about May and uh, that was around the time of the the, the first lockdown and then around I, I as the whole kind of, as all the lockdown measures started to like really take, take shape and, and, and no one knew what the hell was going on, um, counts, concerts were getting canceled everywhere. Everything was being closed down. Um, I had a big, um, I was working on, a another concerto, an electric guitar concerto, which was for the proms. Um, and, um. Can I say that? Am I allowed to say I'm that? And I'm sure that's fine.
0: The sky is not going to fall in. It's okay. <laughs>
1: Am I allowed to say that? Anyway, well, that was, that was for that. Yeah. And then um, that, that got pushed back. Um, and so, and then, I, and then I was kind of in the, I started to, the, the kind of the material that I was working on for Nicky's concerto just seemed to be totally irrelevant. Um, uh, well, it, if if it was going to be played in a post-COVID world, just seemed to me like it wouldn't land. Like it needed something that would, I don't know, um, kind of express some kind of grief in a way. I just felt like, I mean, the the piece that I, I I started to write was kind of, um, you know, it was it was jovial, it was happy, it was kind of you know warm mm-hmm. to start start with and i just thought this is this is just gonna not this is not gonna land so i i, I then the the lock the first lockdown for me was was really 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 bad um also my mum was affected by COVID. she was hospitalized with it and um she was she was really I mean, she didn't go into the icu but she was very bad with it and we had no contact with her and everything just was just got really scary
0: and uh, i can see how me, actually you know, in that in that situation to, to To write a concerto which doesn't reflect or isn't triggered by or captures that moment would somehow be almost doing those people who've been affected by it a bit of a disservice. So I, I sort of get how, or at least I think I get, how actually the, your creative approach to that probably had to shift quite dramatically.
1: Totally. And, and also, you know, it was also uh, the, the whole the, the Black Lives Matters thing you know, that was, um, uh, you know, the, the way that I kind of like emotionally responded to it. I think, you know, everything that's happening in the world at the moment, emotionally is, is just so intense. It's so intense, there's so much pain, there's so much grief, there's so much anger, there's, there's, there's just from all sides. And and for me, I'm an extremely sensitive person and I have to, I have to kind of kind of uh, guard myself from it in a way. And so I remember when it was all kicking off uh, on, With with the Black Lives Matter protests and things, and my my Instagram feed, I follow. I got a lot of American friends, and um, I you know I was following people who were marching in L. A. and they were on these marches, and I would just swipe across, and every other person was there, and and then all of this, the sentiment that was coming out of social media, the rage and the anger, and he's trying to think, well, like what really is that? What what is that? And what what you know, it's. It, it, kind of you know hundreds of years worth of oppression and pain and, and and trying to tap into that it was just whoa it was really overwhelming i just thought you know so i had to kind of like safeguard myself from that a bit so on, on so there was that there was the, the the COVID crisis there was you know there was and then and i just i just couldn't i just couldn't work and then everything that was going on with my mom I, I, june june just was a complete write-off and I just you know and there was weird I felt kind of like you know bad I, felt, I couldn't work I couldn't write a note I felt bad but at the same you know people were like you know it, it, we are in the midst of a global crisis Mark like it's okay <laughs> to like not I'm sorry like, I'm, I'm laughing
0: know? I'm laughing which is which strikes me as slightly insensitive but at the same time I I, I also now feel guilty for even interrupting you for an interview uh, which would suggest to me that that uh, that yes, that sensitivity thing is is very important to you and probably powers your your creative impulses. Um, to, uh, so you know, sorry to have interrupted your day. <laughs> I hope that's okay. <laughs> um, no, don't worry. When cool, did uh, when did when did work on on this new piece that's on the Orchid album that's come out today? When did that start?
1: Oh, so that's a, this is an old piece. This is from two thousand and thirteen, um, and I. You know, it's a companion piece to Mozart's uh, Grand Partita, the, the Wind Serenade. Um, and, you know, I, I, I'd seen it was commissioned by the Britain Symphonia and, and I conducted it in the premiere in 2014. Um, I, 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 yeah. And then after that, it, it wasn't really played that much. And, I, and I've performed it a few times from the clarinet um most recently in in Norway and also with the SCO but for some reason I just the, the, the Mozart um the 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 Gran Partita is being performed everywhere at the moment it's uh, there's also um there's another there's another recording of the grand Partita coming out this week as well with the soloist from the concert about um but I just thought you know I wanted people to know that this piece exists, that, um, that I'm proud of it, that I think it's good, that I think it sits well next to the Grand Partita and, um, you know, that it can have a life as well. Um, the whole recording came about, it, you know, again, that was another kind of like, surreal thing that happened at the end of lockdown. You know, uh, we, did, it, we weren't sure if it was going to happen or not. The whole world had changed, you know. With the 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 conditions were completely um, different from a you know performing perspective. Um, none of the musicians had performed for you know at, at least six weeks, maybe two months or more. And so we we kind of walked into this this recording session that I'd kind of put together. And we were all kind of really excited to see each other, really tentative at the same time. One of our um, players had a, a lung condition. He was very worried. But a heavily pregnant bassoon player, you know. Um, but at the same time, we were all really just dying to play with each other. <laughs> we were just really wanted to play.
0: I, 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 so... listened to it, I listened to it yesterday, actually. And I hadn't appreciated, mm. it because I tend not to do very much research before an interview, but I hadn't appreciated that it had been recorded this year. And... Mm. And so my listening experience was hearing your piece first, which is called, God, I Gaysia. cannot. Gaysia. 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 Okay. So when I heard Gacya, I had this sense of, uh, I, it felt as though I was stepping into an art gallery. It felt as though I was being, or into a grand hotel lobby, and I was hearing something that I knew I wanted to hear uh, that I hadn't heard for a long time. Uh, I mean it was glorious it was absolutely glorious Uh, and then after that the Mozart um, I didn't realise who was on it until I read the sleeve notes afterwards I've heard the Grand Partita a lot but the opening movement felt uh, uh, ridiculously joyous in a way that Mm. um, I don't think I've heard that movement quite Mm. so joyous and now hearing you telling me about the recording makes me think that kind of makes sense given what happened.
1: I'm really glad that you picked up on that and that comes across um, you know as we we rehearsed recorded it over 3 days um and as you know as we were just kind of because this was an ad hoc band you know like uh, half most of the players I'd never even played with before even though they're friends and colleagues um and I've known them for years um, so you know, it took a it took a couple of goes because those those opening chords to tune and to mm. get them balanced right and voiced right with the right intention, it's tricky. It's really tricky. And similarly uh, at the end, and we played uh, them.
0: Similarly at the end as well.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And um, but Nicholas Daniel. Um, Principal oboist on the on the ensemble, uh, a long time collaborator and 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 great friend of mine. He he said, "Guys, let's just 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 play this again with love. Let's just play it with joy." And and it really shifted something, and there was a kind of exhalation, and we all just went, "Wow!" <sighs> and you can hear that in the first, I can hear that in the opening chords. So, it, I, I you know I, I feel really really lucky to have worked with such a brilliant team also i got to say nick parker the producer um and andrew meller the the balance engineer absolutely fantastic um it just was like everything came together in the most magical way that the the acoustic at saffron walden is so perfect for that 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 group of people um for that music and, and and yeah it was Brilliant.
0: And presumably you would have been distant as well. I mean, this was the the other striking thing about both both works that they are very intimate, um, and the textures are very close. Necessarily, so to be able to do that uh, at a distance must have put additional pressure on. I mean, I may be reading far too much yeah. into this in no, my no, in no, my desperation for a story, but.
1: No, not at all, no. I mean we we, made, we had to make sure that we were socially distanced. We, we, uh, there the, the were rules to mm. follow that um, Saffron Walden had kind of, you know, made, uh, Saffron Hall, sorry, had um, made sure that we were following and guidelines to follow. So we recorded the audio in the round uh, uh, at a distance, um, so even though we were a good couple of meters apart, we had a sense of intimacy just because we were all looking at each other. It, ma- it did make for some difficult um, semi-quaver passage work, you know, between each other. It's difficult when you're so far yeah. away from another person yeah. you just can't hear. But also, you know, we, we made a video of my piece as well, um, and which Jesse Roger filmed. And we did that on, in the last couple of hours on the last day and we 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 changed it around and we did it as a kind of it you know it as a performance kind of um you know, turn the lights off and made it atmospheric and we wore black and we made it kind of like you know as, as classy as possible but even then you can see in the video that we are distanced we're, we're, we're really really far apart but you know i think we were probably okay because we weren't like you know so many people. With thirteen, it's not like we're, we're full orchestra. Also, at that time, I remember, you know, um, I think I remember Andrew, the Andrew meller uh, the, the the balance engineer, had just come back from um, Amsterdam, uh, somewhere in the Netherlands, maybe, and he was talking about, you know, he'd just done a recording there for the first time with the new social distance rule. So we were all kind of just trying to make sense of this whole new way of working and playing together. And um yeah, it, it was, it was, it, it was kind of a tentative experience, but I think at the same time, we just got on with it. We just made the music. So. uh
0: I am one element of it I'm interested in particularly, which is at that moment in time, this may be quite detailed to ask, but at that moment in time, my assumption is, is that there's a mixture of a desperation to play together, Uh, because you haven't played people haven't played together for two months a sadness that the audience isn't there uh, a sort of a relief that you are doing something um, and and maybe a sense of impatience about when with all of this return they are all of my assumptions if I was writing a uh, a book about it I wonder whether there are whether that is correct or whether there are other things that were more pertinent or but more potent on the day um
1: they're they're definitely they were all in the in the pot um they were all there for me as the kind of you know the the, the catalyst or the person who was kind of you know spearhead in this whole project the the, the 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 one thing i struggled with was a sense of guilt um that um the project went ahead and in the circumstances it did and and even even now, as it's come out in a second lockdown, and I'm, you know, I'm I'm pushing it on online and 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 with social media and and trying, you know, trying to find a way to do it which isn't like overbearing or intense or you know because like people's livelihoods have been, you know changed and and I'm totally affected by this whole thing people's lives have been affected and um it, 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 you, i don't want to feel as though or i mean it's almost it's impossible to feel as though you, you're working in a in a world that was in any way like it was before you know and um it, it, it it's it has changed like so dramatically and so much and i think there's got to be you know i think this is what, what i'm trying to kind of show in the concerto that i'm writing at the moment but you know like a sense of um a sense of understanding really and a sense of kind of like you know i think i think more than anything you know we need to kind of try and find a way to heal Hmm. but that's you know that's (laughs) that's more of a creative thing but but just from a professional thing the kind of sense of guilt was quite over overpowering
0: uh i don't want to dig too deep but i i need to follow up what what did you feel guilty about i'm not i don't understand
1: well, just the fact that you know, uh, people, people were out of work. People, you know, concerts were being cancelled left, right, and centre. My, I, my own, my colleagues, everyone around was was doing it. And then the next minute, at this, this great opportunity, just came to do this kind of dream project in the middle of, of, of you know, this kind of like disaster. So that that for me was I felt really guilty about that, that
0: was, but presumably um, you were but you were providing them with work opportunities yourself I mean that's, well yeah but I mean yeah. that you were doing a, a kind of a selfless thing at the same time as doing a thing for you that's and I realize this is not therapy but but <laughs> uh, but, but um I'm that's that's probably why I was I was uh wanting to clarify uh yeah, I, probably. I, probably. It's uh, probably me I really, being
1: too sensitive about everything again.
0: Uh, uh, well, well, let's let's call it being thoughtful and empathetic. I think that's probably mm. a nicer way of putting it. Um, I uh, listened to all of it and I really loved it. So thank you for doing it. Oh, uh, well. And um, I wonder what I'm relatively new to orchids uh, catalog. But what I'm impressed by is how Orchid is artist-led. I'm wondering mm. what the experience is like for you as a creative to work with them. Why is it important to work with them?
1: Um, you know, I- I've known Matthew for, for many years and we've been trying to tr- find a project, um, you know, to, to work together with. And um, I just I wanted to rate, wait wait for the right thing Um and then this came up, and it—I uh, just felt like you know I—I I, I kind of I trusted Matthew. I liked the roster, and like you said, you know it was completely artist-led, and so I chose the program, chose the players, chose the artwork, did everything, and and he's Matthew's been a great support throughout the whole process, um, really brilliant. So I, I'm I've been really happy with working with them and. You know, and i i can't wait to see how the disc does. And I'm, um, you know, we're already planning other projects for the future and things going forward. So, yeah, I, I think you know, if, if you can, um, if you can find a, a, a label to work with who are as supportive as, as, as all could have been, then you know, you're onto a winner.
0: Sounds like a no-brainer to me. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to say that I haven't asked you?
1: Um. Not, not really, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've kind of like co- covered most of, well, yeah.
0: Excellent. Uh, thank you very much for your time. I've really enjoyed it and I've really looked forward to it. So thank you for making some time today. your day.
1: No worries. It's been a pleasure.
0: Take care. Bye-bye. All right then. See you later. Bye. Bye.